0: My safe word will be whiskey. Sorry, Rod. What was that? Whiskey.
1: Hey, how's it going? This is Steve from the Lost in Translation podcast. I'm here with the boys, Travis, Sean, and Sean. Hey. 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 <laughs> uh, today, today we got a pretty cool guest, and someone that we've recently actually partnered with on a exclusive release um, bourbon out of Woody Creek for the Alberta market. Uh, he is—he's—he's—I'd say a little local. He's a local celebrity, at least that's how I consider him. Um, he's probably the most enthusiastic person I've ever witnessed. Do like well. Everybody knows T-shirt toss, of course, but even on the radio and I don't, everything. Everything Ryan Jesperson does is just like a hundred and thirty percent exciting, awesome to listen to. Uh, yeah, I, I can't say enough kind things about the guy. I think he does a lot of good work in the city, and uh, yeah, I don't. I don't really know how else to uh, in, introduce him. But Ryan Jesperson, how you doing, buddy?
2: well thanks guys and i hate to correct you right out of the gates but it it's actually the the proper pronunciation is t-shirt <laughs> but it's uh it's a thrill to be here on my second favorite podcast behind real talk and uh man what an exciting week or two for us hey this woody creek bourbon this real talk cast number one um one of the highlights i know for you fellas uh, with yeah. the bigger picture woody creek canadian launch so congratulations on that and i can tell you that our audience i mean you'll have more insight into sales and how many more hours we have till that till that cask sells out and everything but um i can tell you that our audience anecdotally from what we've been hearing people posting on instagram people posting on twitter um pe- people are picking this up a lot of people are telling me uh that they're going to leave the bottle sealed for now uh, they're going <laughs> to treat they're going to treat it like a collector but th- but the people that are that are busting it open and getting into it are pretty excited, um, just as excited, I think, as we are about it, because it turned out amazing, and so I'm excited to be here on Lost in
1: Translation. Thanks for having me. Well, yeah, no, thanks. Thanks for being here, and we'll, we'll get into the whiskey a little bit later. We're obviously going to sip on on some Woody Creek. Woody, Woody Creek. You mean sip um, on
2: sip on some more? That doesn't mean I have to on, stop yeah, some now. More, do I? Sorry, I'm already I'm,
1: sipping on it. Yeah, yeah, I'm, and I'm and we're already like three or four drinks <laughs> in. So, if I start mispronouncing things, it's not by choice. Um, <laughs> are you are, are you at home right now? Like you, I'm in you, the real
2: I'm in the real talk studio. So oh, I'm you're not, in the studio. Yeah, okay, I'm yeah, in the studio. Yeah, it sorry. looks.
1: Yeah, it looks like the studio. And like like I said to you earlier, I I get major studio envy when I watch you. It's if we could, if we could be even a fraction as popular as the real talk podcast here, lost in translation, I'd be a happy man.
2: (laughs) Well, keep up, keep it up, boys. I mean, you know, you got to figure out uh, what's your show all about, who's your audience, and then, and then how do you best reach your audience? And I know that you guys are well on your way there
1: for sure. And, and, and after the, after this is over, we'll be sure to make sure that we put, you know, like a, a list of tips together in an email so that, so just, just because we want to help you in your journey. And we, we know that we, we, you know, we set the standard a lot. Like I appreciate that. And, and I'm just really
2: hoping to make a go of this. So I'll take whatever <laughs> tips I can get.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. So tra- obviously Travis Watts and, and you have have a, a relationship, prior relationship and a friendship. Um, so this goes back farther than, than me, Sean and Sean. So I'm actually going to let Travis kind of take the interview over here, which, doesn't usually happen here. Usually I do all the work and these guys just sit and drink whiskey behind me. So this is going to be a nice treat. I'm going to sip and just kind of watch.
0: Yeah. We, we, well, we're, we're we're sipping on the, the, a different Woody Creek whiskey to start, right? We're doing the, the, uh, Woody Creek weeded, Weeded. the weeded weeded bourbon, which was kind of cool. They held aside some cases of this, even though it was, it was a special edition. They released it a while ago. Steve and I said, save us some weeded till we're ready. And they just tucked it aside. Um, So it's a nice, it's a nice bourbon to kind of kick things off. But uh, Jespo, thanks for joining us. Obviously um, all of this is pretty exciting for us. We're, we're obviously super experienced podcasters and we're happy to have you on to kind (laughs) of give you some guidance and some ideas for your show. Uh, But we're, we're going to move into your cask and we're going to talk about that and we're going to pour it here in a bit. Because uh, that's what we do on this show. But I wanted to go back because I did some research for this interview. Obviously, uh, we're buddies and stuff. But I wanted to dig deep and get real with you, like um, real talk. And yeah, your your personal journey. Um, but you you went from being a kid you you signed an abstinence pledge at a, at a at a school at a Christian school growing up. And you've gone from that to being uh, one of the top, you know, podcast and media personalities in Canada. So I I kind of want to go back a little bit before we get to the cast and, and your current show. But first of all, what the hell is an abstinence pledge? And second, how, how did how did you end up choosing that TV and radio is what you wanted to do?
2: Well, it turns out, Waddy, that I'm not very good at abstinence, and so uh, what it what it really was. You're referencing what was what was previously known as the Community Standards document, which uh, was a precursor for enrolling as an undergraduate student at Trinity Western University, uh, which is a private university with evangelical roots in Langley, B.C., just outside Vancouver, and. Uh, and I, uh, it, I mean, if you if, if you want a real serious answer, I mean, the reason why this became uh, national news, the uh, not me signing it, but but the community standards document itself, was because. Uh, and keep in mind, this was like the uh, uh, would have been like 1996, uh, so like mid to late 1990s. Um, at the time. Trinity Western University had applied for certification to open a a, a teacher's college. Uh, They wanted to be able to graduate uh, teachers and have them certified to teach across the country. But the school, with its deep, uh, conservative, evangelical roots, uh, had this community standards document that said among its standards for entry, um, you couldn't drink, you couldn't be drunk, you couldn't use drugs, and you had to abstain from sexual uh relationships outside of biblically defined marriage, which of course means no LGBTQ2S plus relationships, period. And the BC College of Teachers uh certainly protested this. It ran up to the Supreme Court uh, and Trinity Western University. Ultimately, I mean it's a very long story. My sister uh, who's a member of the LGBTQ2S plus community and is a counseling psychologist in Vancouver uh, actually was on the front page and a big feature uh, in the Globe and Mail in Canada's national newspaper on being uh, a gay or lesbian student at a university that essentially had anti-LGBTQ2S plus requirements for uh, for entry. And so it was obviously a big story and uh, Trinity Western uh, ultimately, and I think based on some pressure Um, I mean, Wadi, you've asked a huge question. I could go on for hours and I won't. I know it's a whiskey podcast. Some people are going to need some whiskey to hear me tell the story. But but, um, uh, over the course of several years, including uh, Trinity also uh, trying to open other schools, like a school of business and others, um, ultimately, uh, and I think based on as well, public pressure from, I think some prominent alumni voices, including myself. Um, I took the story on when I had a terrestrial radio show uh, several times, uh, ultimately did away with its community standards document just a couple of years ago. And and, uh, it was really problematic for the school for very obvious reasons. And it was problematic for alumni like myself. People would say, uh, "Where did you graduate from?" And, and keep in mind that you know, for a university to have evangelical roots or Christian traditions, that's not new. Harvard, Princeton, all the Ivy League schools had evangelical or, you know, let me just say, church-based affiliations out of the gates. There was nothing wrong or suspicious or anything with that. And that was always how I viewed it. But it became problematic when people would say, "Where'd you go to university?" You go Trinity Western, and they go. Ah, Because all of a sudden they think that you discriminate against, you know, gay people, as an example, um, when it, when in in reality, of course, nothing could be further from the truth. And so it got to the point where people started mailing back their degrees. Um, and keep in mind, a lot changes in society from the nineteen you know, the 80s, the 90s into the 2000s. A lot of changed. And so for a lot of alumni like myself, you know, we'd be approached with, you know, pitches like, hey, support your alumni, donate, help scholarships and I'd be very plain in my response to the university, and I'd respond every single time. As long as you still have this document as a precursor to enrollment, you won't see another penny from me, and it won't happen. And we demand that you rescind that document, and so ultimately they did. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, and I've told the story before. It's been written and features about me online and everything else that I, I – I, I mean, I signed the document Donald Duck, uh, so I didn't I didn't ever actually (laughs) sign my name to that document. And of course, the reality is on that campus that it was just like UBC or UVic or anywhere else in that there were keg parties and, you know, people were sleeping with each other. And it was really uh, nothing different on that university than anywhere else. As a matter of fact, it might have been a bigger party because you had a lot of kids that had been homeschooled through these evangelical traditions now going to Christian university and like finding themselves. Yeah. Right. And so I think a lot of people were on these sort of discovery journeys. Uh, but yeah, that was, that, that was that story. It's kind of an interesting one. It's part of my history. It's part of who shaped me, you know, and and what shaped me to become who I am today. Um, I always knew to answer the second part of your question about going into, uh, I mean, I started in newspaper and then I went to into radio and then television, then back into radio and then now into Uh, what we call modern media or new digital media, independent media, um, yeah, when I was 11 years old, grew up in Calgary, and uh, of course, Calgary hosted the Winter Olympic Games in 1988, and long story short, I had a chance to meet uh, in a chance encounter in a lineup at concession, waiting to buy popcorn with my dad at a hockey game uh, to meet Peter Jennings, the great Canadian news anchor, who of course was the host of ABC World News Tonight, their chief anchor and chief correspondent for many years. He's one of the greatest journalists in my mind of all time, and one of the greatest Canadian exports of all time, and uh, we chatted for, in, in my mind, in my memory, about 10 minutes. Maybe it was less than that, uh, and uh, and I was fascinated by what he did. And you know, as a kid, when you meet someone, like everyone has their story of you know, you know, you met like Mark Messier or you met whoever, um, th- th- then you sort of feel like you know them and you feel like there's a connection to them. And so I would watch ABC News you know, not every night, but oftentimes uh, because I had met that guy and I felt a connection with him. And, and I think that those were the early seeds being planted of me um, understanding how stories were effectively told and 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 how, how journalists, uh, you know, conducted themselves and how a good interview happened. And a lot of it may have been subconscious, but I knew uh, by high school that I wanted to be a six o'clock news anchor. And that was always the goal.
1: Yeah, It's, it's one thing to be inspired, though and another thing to actually follow through with it and like i met mark messier when i was 7 years old and wanted to be a professional hockey player but i'm far from that um right like it's it you obviously put a ton of work on it and you have you've kind of you've danced around all media mediums like you you've been a part of it all so I'm, I'm like i'm really personally curious um what are what are some of the nuances and and some of the things you 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 liked and disliked kind of going from one to one. And, and now that you finally landed kind of in a, like you've landed in a spot now, uh, running this, this real talk podcast where you are, you're managing yourself, right? You're not, you're not cutting through red tape, um, to, to kind of go over what your agendas are and what you want to talk about. You get to talk about whatever the heck you want. And I'm sure there's, there's some liberation involved in there.
2: Yeah, for sure. And, and we can all hear your phone buzzing there. If you need to take a call, don't mind no. us, pal. I mean, you can go ahead and you take that call. We'll just, we'll just be here ready when you're ready to go back
1: to us. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, it started yeah, vibrating. No, the only no, call that matters is my, my wife's because she's 30 coming up with 39 weeks pregnant. So oh, it wasn't, wow. it wasn't her. So I quickly ended the call. Congratulations <laughs> in advance. That's is that your first? no second yeah second second.
2: oh congratulations that's very exciting that's very exciting yeah i've seen it all like i've I've written you know i've covered uh you know the education beat for the calgary herald of you know written in print i've i've been a a radio spot news reporter you might call it like a like a breaking news reporter i've been a radio news anchor i was a, a tv journalist a videographer so i shot my own stuff and edited my own stories and then i had an opportunity kind of serendipitously, uh, to, to host a show called breakfast television, which obviously, um, that was my biggest break, uh, hosting breakfast television allowed me to step outside of, of what your traditional understanding of a journalist might be and to start having an opinion and to show personality and to, you know, I do interviews in one day in one show, I'd, I'd interview a politician and a chef. And 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 uh, and the lead singer of a rock band, uh, all in the same show, and it kind of you know allowed me to uh, sort of develop that side of uh, what it, I didn't develop it. I mean, obviously you develop your skills, but it allowed me to exhibit uh, what I've always had, which was just a natural curiosity uh, around me and an understanding of what makes people tick, and and I love either telling people's stories or having people tell their stories on uh, my platform and, or on a platform. And then that was a really special opportunity for me with, with BT. I, I, I outgrew my role there a little bit. I started really wanting to sink my teeth into things that had a little bit more substance, uh, things that would drive me crazy, things that I thought were important to be grappled with, uh, you know, public policy, politics, etc. And uh, that wasn't the show. The, the, you know, my job on the show—I was reminded once by th- my boss w- was to help sell coffee and orange juice, and basically <laughs> to quit fucking pissing everybody off. And uh, now you're right, selling whiskey. You know, and now I'm selling whiskey and cannabis and beer and wine and everything else, and it's really cool. But um, yeah, so I had an opportunity. That that caught the attention, though. Me outgrowing that that show on breakfast television, which I'll always be grateful for, and had a great team. There And I'll always care about those people. It caught the attention of an an AM talk station, 630 Chad and Edmonton, a legacy station, a heritage station, you might call it. Um, And they offered me their their flagship time slot, nine to noon, which I had for about six years. Um, And and, um, you know, I guess over the course of that uh, was able to sort of, you know, really when you talk about, you know, taking the show in whatever direction I like, or, or you know, allowing an audience to to dictate the editorial direction of a show, because I think that's important too. You know, one of our stingers, they call it when it would come in and the, the voice of God, they call it, it would be like, you know, coming up is the Ryan Justice show. This is your but it would introduce it. And a big part of it that I always insisted be part of the promotions of the show was that the announcer, the voice of God would say, this is your show. Like we'd say that we would communicate that to the audience. It's not me, Rush Limbaugh, showing up and just preaching. It's gauging where the audience is at and talking through things that were difficult to reconcile and making people, including me, the host, uncomfortable. And that to me is the sweet spot. That's where uh, shows grow an audience. That's where an audience finds fulfillment and grows together. And so that kind of, you know, 630 Chet, ultimately, I, I, I outgrew that role as well because I asked inconvenient questions and made the wrong people uncomfortable. Uh, it, it, I made the right people uncomfortable actually, uh, but the wrong people <laughs> for my job security there. And so, as I think most people know, I was fired in September of 2020 and seven and a half weeks later launched real talk and we've never looked back
1: Yeah, people get uncomfortable too easy nowadays oh
2: man people are weak they are and you know what powerful people are weak and shallow and scared and, (laughs) and 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 you know what people are afraid to keep it real people are afraid to take tough questions people are oftentimes afraid to look in an interviewer's eyes and say you know what i don't know or, you know what? I was wrong. Or, you know what? I've changed my mind. And that's the goal. I can think of times that I've changed my mind on things over the years. And uh, it's, it's a pretty special place to be where you can say, I believed something or I thought something. I listened to different perspectives. I put my own thought into it. I put it through the wash, so to speak. And ultimately, on the other side, I changed
0: my mind. I think that's remarkable. I've, I've heard you talk, I've heard you do that. Cause I, I'm obviously, I listen, I've listened to you since Chad and, but I've heard you get calls from people who have said, listen, I didn't like the way you address this. I'm someone from this community and you've addressed it and you've said, listen, I'm going to correct that. I need to talk about this. And you made it a point to say, I, I was wrong. Yeah. And another thing that I think is pretty interesting is you're, you kind of get, labeled as a as a left wing person sometimes but at the same time people on the left probably give you a hard time and it's it's kind of funny because i don't i kind of look at you as mostly a centrist you might say center right i don't know but you get bashed from both sides all the time don't you
2: yeah i was getting the shit kicked out of me by a bunch of left-wingers just yesterday and i was quite relieved uh you know i need that to maintain my credibility but uh yeah no i mean i, I only i only get called a left-winger in one part of the country that's right that's here uh if i'm in vancouver they think i'm a right-winger so i i'm an, i'm an issue specific nonpartisan type person so i'm not an apologist for any political party i evaluate policy based on what i think is intelligent i think that empathy needs to play a role in people's perspectives so i'm a right winger on some things when it comes to health care and certain aspects of education delivery business the size of government government in the business of business and i'm a left winger on drug policy social policy uh, and a lot of other stuff so i i think uh I like to think of myself as a compassionate, empathetic, open-minded, reasonable, middle of the road, normal type person. Although, you know what? Even the use of the word normal, it's like, what's normal? Normal is actually kind of boring. But I think like to think I'm the type of person that can get along with anybody, whether you agree with me or not, because agreeing has never been a precursor for me in determining who I'm going to spend my time around.
1: <laughs> Speaking of... Isn't it, that's, what, that's what democracy is supposed to be, though. It's supposed to be a system that... That celebrates both sides equally, right? But we've we've just gotten away from that. We, this is not a political show. This is a show we drink whiskey. So, have you poured yourself a have you poured yourself a whiskey there, Brian?
2: Yeah, you know what, boys? Well, I heard that you were into the uh, the uh, limited edition, the Woody Creek Wheated bourbon, and so that's what I'm sipping on right now. What what's your thoughts on that beauty? Uh, like, I think it's fantastic. I mean, it I don't is. know what else you want me to say. I mean, I, I'm sitting here thinking like. You know, I'm I'm eager to get into the real talk cask here uh,
1: with our corn whiskey, with that bourbon, but but uh, this weeded bourbon's really beautiful. You didn't come prepared with uh, t- tasting notes from nose to finish, or what? <laughs> yeah, I've always sort of
2: you know on, on that kind of stuff. I I mean, I worked at a, as a barista at Starbucks for about five months. Right oh, after university, So I can bullshit you all kinds of ways on yeah, what were... stuff tastes like. I mean, I'm trained in bullshitting, uh, <laughs> but
1: I'm just going to say on this one, this is, yeah, no, this is really nice. This you is were a coffee s- sommelier. Coffee sommelier. Be... Is that what they call them back there, right?
3: Yeah. Well, something like that. Something, yeah. They call them something. That's for sure. <laughs> I, I want to bring up one of your other gigs. You obviously right off the hop kind of alluded to it, but the, uh, the Oilers gig that you had now, one of us presently, uh, I was I got to take part in one of your contests, and it was uh, <laughs> basically you throw out a topic, and you have to name as many things for that topic in 10 seconds. Now, when I did it, it was rock bands, which was really easy for me, and I went up against Andrew Ference and i had 24 in 10 seconds and when i won you said that i had set a record for most answers in 10 seconds so
2: yeah i believe that (laughs) and that i actually as a matter of fact i would guarantee you that that record still stands (laughs) nobody would even be close to that
3: um (laughs) now with that obviously like that was super fun and it was you know it was nerve-wracking for me in front of a stadium full of people but do you miss any of that uh oilers gig that you had um, it was, uh, uh,
2: and, and to be clear, I think some people have, have, have asked me about getting fired from the Oilers gig. I was not fired from the Oilers gig. I want to be very clear. I retired from the Oilers gig. Everything between me and the team is absolutely fantastic, and I'm going to be hosting some alumni events for them and some cool stuff. Um, the team has been amazing, um, and it was an honor to work and to represent that brand uh, in the National Hockey League for, for six seasons over seven years. Of course, we lost the in game that one season due to COVID, but uh, for seven years, for Seven years, I was a proud ambassador of that brand. Um, I, I miss some of the stuff. Like I don't miss. And no offense to you, um, I don't miss like doing the contests with people. I don't miss that kind of stuff. Um, I miss all the stuff that came with it, like like being in the barn on a hockey night in Canada, Battle of Alberta, about 45 minutes before puck drop, and and there's you know Dreisaitl and Clef Bomb, and and they're kicking the soccer ball around, and McDavid's taping his stick, and and you know Cassian's out there talking to a couple of kids, and 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 then you know you hear ah boys let's go, and then me and Robert Clark are. Hanging out, and then Robert goes out and sings the anthem, and then comes back, and we fist pound each other, and then we go to work, and 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 you know, I mean, the first time, like, yeah, you know, I mean, there's there's something to be said for those of us that, that will never know what it's like to be, you know, Mick Jagger. Uh, there's something uh, about having a microphone in your hand, and and, and then asking eighteen thousand four hundred and thirty people how you doing, and then just having this rig just explode on a Saturday night. I mean, that was always very very special. Um, What's very cool about this, you know, as we're recording this podcast, we're about I don't know we are 22 games into the season or something like that 23 games in um, I've been to six or seven games already uh, I went to my first game with my son and sat with him um, as opposed to him coming to the game and watching dad work on the Jumbotron I've been able to go to games with my wife I've been able to go to games with buddies and 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 sit in some great seats and and have some drinks because uh, of course I would never drink when I was working obviously that would be completely unprofessional no. um, but so finally being able to have a drink at the rink and just relax Relax and not run around all over the place um, has been really amazing. And I'm really, honestly, sincerely enjoying being a fan. Plus, Oil Country, uh, the best fans in the National Hockey League, are still very generous uh, with their greetings and the drinks they're sending over and everything else. Uh, and so I'm having a lot of fun on the other side of it.
1: You know what's funny? I, I went to the, the season opener this year, and I'm riding the escalator after the game. <clears throat> and the the guy right in front of me is talking to his buddy and he's like, man, the games are just not the same without that guy. What's his name? You know, that guy, that, like the guy yelling at us all game long. <laughs>
2: <laughs> what do you mean uh, I'm yelling?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like no word of a lie. The guy that yells at us all game, the game's not the same. And and uh, my, my buddy that was with me, he was like, you're talking about Jesperson. he's like, that guy is a beauty. Games will never be the same without him, which is true. Honestly, it just, it just isn't. I'm sure you guys can attest that.
2: Yeah. Well, I'm going to be doing something that I can't. I can't quite talk about yet. But I'm going to. Be, I'm going to be back behind a microphone at some hockey games coming up in the next little bit, and I'm really excited about that. Is I mean, there's something special about
0: it. Oh, I. I might We're have an forward. idea, and that's without even talking to you about it. Jasper, I know you just talked about taking uh, your son, obviously Wyatt. Uh, to Oilers games and you and I have a special connection with we're both coaching our kids on probably the best Timbits team in Edmonton right now, the North East, the Northwest Hawks um, but you just, I mean, everyone sees your media personality and you on the podcast, but I know how passionate you are as a father and just, just kind of touch a little bit on I'm being Wyatt's dad, being a hockey dad, uh, showing up in our sweats and our track suits every Saturday and Sunday. Um, I know we always have a little chat on the ice, but just talk, it's obviously something that we're both,
1: I mean, super passionate about, but Wait, they, ha- they haven't changed the name. They haven't changed the team names to Tim Beebs like the like in, uh... <laughs> that's really too bad, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It feels
2: like better. it feels like a missed opportunity. It, it does. Yeah. Wadi, geez. Like, I mean, w- w- if we're the best Timbits team, I'm like, we literally got blown up last Sunday game day. We, we lost like 40 to three. It was unbelievable. <laughs> we ran, we ran it like literally 40 to three. Like Good it was, it, it, it was, it's like, it was a football score. Um, but yeah, it's, yeah, there, there's obviously a huge deficit when it comes to the skill of the coaches, but, uh, you know, what do you want us to do about that? Um, in all seriousness, I didn't grow up playing hockey. I grew up, uh, playing basketball and soccer and playing a lot of music and, and skiing. And, uh, and so hockey to me was always, uh, I was always passionate as a fan and the house that we grew up on, we always had a, a rink right behind us. And so I grew up on the pond a lot. Um, and so I skated lots and, you know, I was a, a decent player, but I, but I never played competitive hockey. And so this has been kind of a, a, a special opportunity for me to, to coach Wyatt right from the very beginning. And, and he's obviously fallen in love with the sport. I don't want to be the type of guy that, that prescribes interests onto my son or onto our kids. And so, uh, you know, if he, if he continues to love hockey, I want to be with him through the whole journey and in, in whatever way, you know, he needs me or he can use me. And it's, it's special to see him making friendships and, you know, throwing sock tape around in the room with the kids and and all that kind of cool stuff. Um, You know, for me, really, I had a special relationship with my grandpa, my mom's dad. Uh, His name was Rudy. Uh, That's why it's middle name and uh, Rudy Dutka, my grandpa, was uh, about five foot seven and just this absolute fire. Crazy. He was kind of like a Ty Domi type guy, but uh, that's a bad example because he's a skill guy, but he, he had it, like he, he was the quarterback of his high school football team in, and he would tell me uh, in vegerville he'd tell me like he had a tough time throwing over the offensive line because I mean, he was short, right? And he was also a left winger on the on the AJHL, like the provincial 1939 provincial champion hockey team. And so he was he was the guy that taught me how to skate. My grandpa was, um, he's the guy that taught me how to swing a golf club. He was, he was big in my life. And so in a way, um, you know, where, where I drink my whiskey and smoke my cigars in our house, it's in our garage. It's called the cabin. Uh, it's a great bar. I'm, I'm pretty proud of it. There's a big frame picture of the 1939 Vegerville junior a team, uh, that my grandpa Rudy was on as an homage to him. And so I, I feel a special connection. Um, every time Wyatt Rudy's out there on the ice with me or I'm on the ice with him, I guess. So
0: yeah, it's pre- been pretty cool. Uh, it's awesome. And he just scored his first ever goal the a couple of weeks back. He did.
2: Uh, and so on it. your recommendation, I grabbed the puck, put a
0: little tape around it and he has it up in his room right now. He has it up in why Rudy's first goal. Yeah. It's, it's pretty special. And uh, yeah, anyways, we won't go too deep into that. We sh- we're going to move Steve. Steve is uh, going to carry what? things on here, but we'll move away from the serious stuff and we're going to get into the more serious stuff.
1: Well, we, we were talking about hockey and Sean, Sean Mccalder. I remember when we first <laughs> told Sean, that we were going to have Ryan Jesperson on the oh, show. No. He the only thing he really wanted to know was Sean asked the question. All
4: right, all right. Um so, so we're t- speaking about the Oilers and I'm sure you've <laughs> spent some time with some Oilers. So are they truly as boring as they are in interviews?
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, uh, I mean, I never got like, you know, I I hear these stories about what they're like behind closed doors, like when they're just... The team, and I've never been privy to those types of of gatherings. I've never like been at Connor's house when the Oilers are just there having. I when I've heard that he's actually hilarious and a little bit silly. You know, well, I mean I, hockey I, boys. I mean, honestly, you guys right? think of like the, the the classic doc boys on the bus, and you think of like Gretzky when he's like a little bit tipsy around the table, and they're all Gypsy. laughing. At his, he, okay, Gypsy. smash. Gypsy, yeah, and uh, <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and and like you see that different side of Gretzky, right? Whereas you know, of course, when when all these players in the public eye they're so coached and especially more these days uh, to to be boring and the culture of hockey in my mind is is really unfortunate in the sense that um you know i mean they're 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 taught to be boring and really to not give anything in interviews um i i want to be i guess i'll speak frankly here but i i mean no offense to any of my colleagues and friends that work in sports broadcasting because they do a really good job but one of the reasons why working in sports uh, on the broadcasting side never appealed to me is because because I honestly find zero value in any interview with almost any professional athlete. I, I, I don't find them enlightening. I don't find them interesting. Um, I think sometimes on, you know, programs like after hours or, or, you know, maybe sometimes like if, you know, I I don't know, maybe you got Jim Rome or or every once in a while you get somebody on spit and chicklets or something that'll, you know, Trevor Ziegris of the ducks just great, gave a great interview on spit and chicklets a while ago. I mean that, you know, I enjoy that kind of stuff, but, but for the most part, um, the guys are very, you know, prim, proper, and kind of formulated. Um, you know, I'll say that. I mean, there are obviously some beauties. Like, you know, Zach Cassian's an absolute beauty. Nuge is an absolute beauty. Um, I had a chance for for several years, and and I think that that's still going to happen. We've just been interrupted by COVID, of course. But Nuge has been the honorary chairman for for the uh, cystic fibrosis uh, the, the group and the chapter in Edmonton in Northern Alberta that does an amazing job. And 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 cystic fibrosis has always been something that's mattered to me ever since I was very young a very dear friend of mine um- Lives with cystic fibrosis. We were told she was going to die when she was 15. She's 43 right now, um, but obviously her health is always a concern. And so I've always cared very deeply about CF. And so Nuge uh, has uh, has been a big part of their gala every year. And I've been uh, you know honored to host it every year. And so that's meant that I've you know I've had a chance to like have dinner with him and kind of sit with him and get to know him and Brianne a little bit. And and he's just a real quality guy. Um, I love his story, right? Like because of money issues and other factors, when he was 12, he had to take a year off from hockey. I mean, can you imagine you're 12? Everybody knows you're that good. Everybody know. I mean, the guy goes first overall in the NHL mm-hmm. draft when he's 18. Imagine having to miss an entire year of hockey. And it's just like, he's got this great perspective. He cares about people. It's very evident. Um, and uh, yeah, so, I mean, I guess I didn't really answer your question, uh, but uh,
1: close I enough, mean, you know, he's, yeah, close. close uh, yeah, enough. no, close enough. Yeah, I guess that,
0: I, Nuge, I think Nuge is the be most happy hug- to...
1: person. I just want to say it. Nuge is like yeah. the one athlete. I just want to hug and he doesn't
2: age. He's like, I don't know what what face cream he uses or whatever. The guy doesn't age at all. Oh,
0: it's incredible. Still looks 18. Mm -hmm. He needs to market face cream. Just just get a face cream on board and market it. Yeah.
1: He's one of the only, like, grown men that grows less facial hair than I do. So we have an attachment, I must say. I don't know. Like, the, the whole, like, hockey, I don't know. Hockey just breeds this, like... Vanilla-like personality for some reason. It's it comes at a detriment to the sport, which I hate. Do you think? think And then it, then it punishes guys that in my mind
2: would be yeah. the best for the game. I mean, like you look at how like Jeremy Roenick or Patrick Waugh or Alexander Ovechkin, I mean, you you know, you even look at like Neil Yakupov, you know, when he when he celebrated that big goal as a, as a I think was his rookie year, everybody took a big dump on him. Yeah. Uh, in in my mind, those are the types of characters you need in sport, right? I mean, I yeah. grew up a big basketball fan. It's like the guys that I loved, in bas- guys like Gary Payton that were just like said what they thought all the time.
4: Barkley. Barclay is exactly. <laughs> Bar- Bar- <Barclay's> a beauty. <laughs> yeah. Do you no, think it really- has something to do with the discipline required to reach that high of a level?
1: I
2: don't think so because I think it takes discipline to, I think it takes discipline to to reach a high level in any sport or in any pursuit. And it doesn't mean you have to be boring. I think it's just, I think it's the culture of it. I think it's a, I think that cocky has a bit of a different sort of a take on like humility um, and, and, and sort of like the idea of, you know, you play for the, and and I'm not saying I disagree with this, you know, you play for the logo on the front of the sweater, not the name on the back. And then, you know, that's sort of like individual, you know, would you, would you rather win, you know, the, the art Ross, or would you rather win a cup? Or would you rather win, you know, would you rather score 50 goals or make the playoffs? Like, you know, guys, we have these sort of hypotheticals that we talk about as hockey fans, and I don't know if they have those in other sports. Maybe they do. Yeah. No, yeah, like the even, tr- even the
1: traditionalist kind of controls the narrative, honestly. That, that's the problem. And, like, I think the, the sport will propel far greater than what it ever has. If they just let these people actually express their personality. And and
2: you're seeing it a little bit, right? Like you're seeing it like with the Toronto Maple Leafs and some other teams and like their players don't have to wear suits anymore. And, um, you know, to games. And I think that, I I don't know, i am kind of mixed feelings on that. I'm, you know, it's kind of funny. I'm like new school on some stuff and old school (laughs) on other stuff. And I've always loved that hockey players wear suits to games. Matter of fact, you know, you see like players from other sports showing up to games in like hoodies and you're like, what the fuck is, you know, this guy's like a professional What the hell? But then also at the same time, I got to check myself. Like, why do they have to wear suits to games? I don't know. I guess it, I sort of thought it's like it's like picking up your lunch pail and going to work. Um, but I don't know if it's I don't know if it's that important anymore. And I don't think you know. You look at how much coaching's changed too, and you look at some of the coaches back in the day. Like Mike Keenan would not be an effective coach now because players don't take that abuse anymore. They just won't. And um, coaches are getting fired more often than players are getting traded.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And this is also like we're all sitting around in hoodies and t shirts while Jefferson's wearing a suit, by the way.
4: <laughs> At least the Sean's have matching t shirts. Yeah. We got that the going Sha- for Yeah, the Sean's, they
1: came, they, yeah,
4: they pre planned their outfits today. Hey there. It's been a hot minute. And I just want to interrupt and bring you a quick message from our sponsors of today's show. Enjoy. There you have it. Thanks to all of our excellent sponsors for supporting the show and thank you for continuing to listen.
3: Have a great rest of your day. All right, so again, um, we're obviously we're drinking. Now I'm I've already moved on to the real talk bottle. I already finished both is, my samples. <laughs> I just got it today, so this is the first time I've got to taste it and it's blowing my mind. The the corn uh, like, obviously, you pointed out on your podcast that uh, our good buddy, Josh, his review of it, just yeah. earth and corn and earth and corn. And the sweet corn and that earthy, dusty note, it, yeah, it grabbed my attention right away. For sure. And this, and this podcast is ultimately about
1: whiskey and... Uh, I know you, you run a, you run a podcast called real talk and it's all about real talk on loss and translation as well, I must say. So when did you start drinking whiskey and how much do you love Woody Creek? Uh,
2: well, I think probably, I mean, I think back to, yeah, I mean, I think 19 20, 21 years old i started like uh you know i like it was like the glenfiddich 12 year oh yeah was was kind of my uh my gateway and um i knew i liked it i liked scotch right out of the gates and uh i um, i remember you know a friend of mine uh you know may he rest in peace actually he's left this life a dear friend of mine um, used to throw these fabulous uh, parties a few times a year in Seattle, and uh, one party this has nothing to do with whiskey. One part he threw a tinfoil party. He told everybody he's throwing a tinfoil party, and everybody kind of didn't didn't really know what that meant or whatever. And so, you know, he kind of showed up, and people had made like tinfoil hats or like wrapped themselves, you know, whatever. You walk into his place, he had spent, I don't know how much money he spent. I don't know how much time it took. He had covered his entire place in tinfoil. Like the TV was covered in tin foil, the couch was covered in tin foil, the pic- the pictures hanging on the walls were wrapped with tin foil. Like this guy just did an unbelievable job. Anyway, another party that he threw was a Scotch, <laughs> was was kind of like a Scotch exchange, and and we were young at the time, like early twenties, and um, he and I decided that that we wanted to to uh, do something special for the group, and so we bought together. We went in together because I, I remember it being a few hundred bucks, uh, but we picked up a uh, uh, a twenty seven year aged brora cask strength bottle um Ooh. that was i I still have the the, the empty bottle i still have it I'll, I'll keep it forever uh especially since peter passed away it's very special but mm-hmm. but that that was like the first like unbelievable scotch whiskey that i'd ever tried like that it's was like that, that was now i'm drinking whiskey that was that was all of a sudden when it was like oh so <laughs> yeah. that's why not every bottle's 40 bucks right and, <laughs> and uh and ever since then i've i've been you know, I mean, I guess I want to consider who I'm talking to here when I say I've been a collector. You guys will be like, oh, really? But uh, but, you know, it's always been, you know, I'm, I'm kind of equal opportunity. Like I'm big. I you know, I would I, I love tequila. I love gin and 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 Scotch, And you know, whiskey, Scotch, bourbon, like that sort of family is is uh, is big. So, yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, for the better part of my adult life, for sure.
1: Yeah, I lost, you lost this when you started naming these clear spirits. <laughs>
2: yeah, that's
4: right.
3: <laughs> so you also have the Jespo Sour, and Steve is a resident beer blogger, which we make fun of him all the time for. Um, <laughs> but how did that opportunity come about, and do you think you'll do more beer collaborations in the future?
2: Yeah, I was given an opportunity to, to partner with Sea Change Brewing in Edmonton, which, you know, I think most people know about Sea Change. I mean, in my mind, they're, they're in a class of their own. And, uh, and I mean, like, not just with the beers they do, but in their branding and their corporate ethos and just, uh, I mean, a whole bunch of stuff. And they had approached me about doing a beer uh, a while back, and we'd put some thought into it and, and spent some time, you know, with their entire team, uh, ownership group, brewmaster, et cetera. Um, kicking some different ideas around. And obviously it was important to me that the beer reflect something that I would enjoy and that something, you know, I wanted to put my name on and something that I would drink. And we talked uh, about some different ideas. I, I didn't want to do like a lager. I didn't want to do something boring. Um, they already had other things in their lineup, uh, you know, that, that I, I thought might compete with some other ideas we had. And so I'd sort of narrowed it down to two. I thought we might do a Hefeweizen or a Sour, and they had a half in the tanks already, uh, which they were working on, and they loved the idea. They'd never, they'd never done a sour before, and they loved that idea. So we started talking about, um, you know, i and putting some personality to it and developing the brand and what kind of sour. And um, they asked me, like, over the course of my life and my experience, what had been some drinks, not necessarily beer, but what had been some drinks that had uh, sort of a, uh, that evoked memories, and I talked about a cocktail called a grape knee high, which takes me back to the university years. And we wondered if maybe a grape sour or kind of like a, some sort of like a, a, a port inspired something might kind of be interesting. Or like with the grape knee high, it's got a raspberry liqueur in it, maybe a raspberry sour. And then I started talking to them about this after university, me and five pals sold our vehicles and uh, went down to South America for six months and spent two of those months in Peru. And uh, I was telling him about these vendors, just these carts on the side of the road or in town squares or whatever, that would make cocktails like just from the carts. And then you could just drink cocktails, walk around the town square. And these Pisco Sours were a big part of our experience in Peru. And uh, and I could see like the sea change team, their eyes just lit up. They loved the story. They loved the idea. It sort of opened the door for um, you know their team had been wanting to use these hops, these like apparently pretty rare hops from New Zealand that gave like a bit of a Chardonnay, kind of a grape type, like a white grape type taste. Um, and then, uh, and then of course, uh, you know, that, that, sort of like lime sour idea was one that they really connected with. And so, yeah, I think it's important obviously for me to be able to provide some of the inspiration, but then to get out of the way when it came to the actual brewing of it, right. They know what they're doing. They do an amazing job. Um, and what a special experience it was to show up on canning day. Canning day at a brewery is, is very cool. It's obviously it, there's a lot of action going on and, and, um, it's the freshest that you're ever going to taste a beer. And, uh, and, uh, that was a lot of fun that day got absolutely smashed and, uh, and, uh, and it was great to see the uptake on the Pisco Sour. It was, uh, it sold out pretty quickly. It sold out in about three weeks. Um, we were able to send the proceeds over to uh, a, a nonprofit called in the weeds, which does mental health counseling, provides free counseling and resources uh, for people specifically working in the hospitality industry. And I know that um, suicide and, 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 and drug dependence and other things are an issue in hospitality as they are in other industries, uh, but especially wanted to be able to, to send some love to people that had really been disproportionately impacted by COVID, the closure of restaurants and things like that. And, and um and I don't know if I'm allowed to announce this or not. I guess people that listen to Lost in Translation will, you know, get the leg up. You should have a, you know, membership has its benefits. So, you know, we've been talking <laughs> to Sea Change about whether or not we do something different this summer. And I think we just had such a great response to the Pisco Sour that we're
1: just going to re-release that one. Awesome. That, that honestly, it's since I'm I guess the beer guy in this room, um, I, I really enjoyed it. I'm not a big sour. Drinker actually, but I found that the the sour component of that beer did not take over the glass, yeah. which I really really enjoyed. And, and I'm, I'm lives...
2: glad I'm glad to hear you say that because that yeah. was really a mandate that we had. Is that I know. Um, I like I said, I didn't want it to be too vanilla. Like I didn't want to just do a no offense to loggers, but like loggers are kind of like whatever. Logger's right? a logger. A yeah. logger's a logger. It is. Hey, what I, it like, is. I like loggers. Yeah, and there's yeah. nothing wrong with. It. I mean, I, like you know, I'll crush fifteen loggers after hockey. Just ask Waddy. But uh, you know, I'm not uh, nothing against loggers, <laughs> but I wanted to do something interesting. But at the same time, it's music to my ears to hear you say that because we wanted it to be. And and again, it's not for everybody. I mean, I got buddies that oh. I, you know, I gave them a four pack, and they got three of them still in their fridge right now. Um, But uh, you know, at the same time we wanted it to be accessible and to not be like a real face
1: twister. And I don't think that it is. No, it, it's, it was very, very approachable for a sour a sour turns off. A, honestly, a lot, like it's kind of an acquired beard flavor profile, right? Absolutely. So, but it was approachable in the sense that it, it, it definitely appealed to both I don't know, a, a few different types of beer drinkers. I'm actually surprised Sean was able to get that question out without stuttering. Cause without Guinness in the question, um, I don't think he drinks anything else. So, <laughs>
3: I'm definitely a stout guy, but uh, I might have to pick up some salads this
1: summer. Yes, we know. Anytime we talk about any sort of beer, Sean just like, you lose them. You lose them instantly unless you said stout or Guinness or or something dark. (laughs) Barrel-aged. Barrel-aged. He's a snob.
0: It was a perfect, uh, it was a really good summer. It was a great summer beer, and for your first sort of real talk release, you're right. It had some, it had the right amount of character without being too out there. And, uh, I, I, I know that I crushed at least three, four packs on my back deck. So very oh, easily, good, very good pick. And it's, it's also nice to to highlight a local brewery. That's just doing a really good job, uh, and do it. And that's maybe with that'll stem to the next question, Steve, if you want to touch into the Woody Creek cast, cause we, we you didn't go local with this next pick.
1: No, we went with, you went with something unfamiliar to you. Right. And, and when, so basically I'm, I'm curious what, what was kind of going through your head when Travis calls or texts or however, he got a hold of you, maybe, um, I don't know, one of the dating sites, male dating sites, whatever whatever it was. But, um, when, when he said, Hey, I've got this cool brand, this Woody Creek brand. Um, I want to send you some cast samples. And let's partner. Let's do this thing. What, what, what went through your head? How was the process? How, how did you enjoy it?
2: Yeah. I mean, a really, obviously a really neat um, process. What was a little bit different about, I mean, well, obviously everything's different than, uh, you know, doing a bourbon as opposed to a beer. But, uh, what was different about the process was that the, the these were uh, works in progress already, right? They, they sent us, um, you know, four cask samples and and wadi and i uh, you know had 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 some sips and kind of worked through them and and at cask strength sort of you know w- endeavored to find out if there was one that really jumped out at us and i mean this one th- that we ended up going with was um this uh, olathe corn or whatever they call it the 100% olathe. Olathe, yeah. olathe corn um was just miles ahead of the other three and uh, I just loved it immediately and uh it was it was uh it was exciting I mean obviously there were a lot of there were a lot of factors that came into play too like you know the fact that that I know that wadi and you fellas and your work with PWS and 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 then other club involvement and, 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 and can I call it whiskey advocacy, um, before that, you know, that I could, that I, first of all, would trust your judgment on a distillery that would be worth partnering with. It didn't hurt that they've got a high profile ambassador in William H. Macy, which is obviously interesting. And if people want to see our interview with him on real talk, they can check out our archives on our podcast or our YouTube channel. Um, actually took some shit, uh, for, for partnering with a distillery that wasn't local and, um, uh, I don't give a shit about that uh, because um, – and, and I'm just going to speak frankly here. If you've listened this deep into the podcast, you deserve a nugget or two. Um, it is not my job. I mean, I shop local and support local all the time, my entire – that all the time. <laughs> And it is not my job to say no to great opportunities and to grow my brand and to grow our show and to grow our reach just because a business partner is not local. That actually drove me nuts. These guys, you know, the the guy that was most prominent, I'm not going to name him, but the guy that was most prominent in calling me out for not supporting a local distillery is a guy who I bought a $650 Japanese knife from from his independent shop as the pandemic started. This guy has the stones to call me out publicly for not supporting local. I get back to him, I go, you know what, buddy? I know the names of a couple blacksmiths in Alberta. So what the fuck are you doing selling Japanese knives? You know but you're gonna call me out because i go with woody creek distillers out of colorado in a history rich region of the united states when it comes to this type of distilling and he goes why would you partner i'm going why would i partner with william h macy like why would i partner with a hollywood a-lister
1: like are you yeah. fucking bananas it
2: drove me nuts
1: Well, not, not to I mention will not that not apologize for no it. don't don't apologize not to mention that hey you partnered with Travis and I and we are a local business slugging in the trenches we're trying to trying to make trying to make a living to take over our living so that we can be successful going. On. So like that, that's gotta be considered, but they don't even look at that. Right.
2: Well, and it's, it's irrelevant.
1: Like I yeah. want to, you know, what are you telling
2: me? Like you're going to tell me that like, you know, if, if I'm an actor and I live in Edmonton and I get an opportunity to work with a Hollywood director that I shouldn't, if there's an yeah. Edmonton director I can work with, like what kind of planet like are you off. living on? Piss yeah, off. Sure.
1: And, and Woody Creek, like in all respects for them, they, they're, they're a craft distillery. They're not um, like, they're not, they don't have the output of Jim Beam or any of these like massive American distilleries. They are a craft distillery and they are local somewhere. So why not support them?
2: You, you learn quickly, like n- not everybody's going to be happy with every decision you make. No. I mean, I have friends that own other breweries that were pissed off that I worked with sea change. You know, and, and one of them said to me in particular, why did you work with sea change? And I said, cause they asked me. Like where was your invitation? Like what do you want me to do, man? Like you know. I, so what I've done is, is since is I've I've made a list of about 300 names, and every time I have to make a decision in my life, I call all 300 people and just ask them if they're okay with my personal decisions. And as long as all 300 people agree, then I
4: proceed. So you accomplished nothing ever. Yeah,
1: yeah basically. Yeah, but yeah. exactly. you might as well sit in your basement and just drink. Yeah, drink no name whiskey and no name beer. And yeah,
0: yeah. As long as it's made low. Locally. Guys, Lost in Translation just got real. Re- just super got real,
1: real, yeah. <laughs> well, I figured I better deliver if you're gonna have me on the show. You know, that's perfect. It, the the uh, four or five um, people that download the show will appreciate it, and most of them are Travis Watts' family. So,
0: <laughs> well, we're we're getting close to wrapping up, anyways. But I know. Um, I'll jump in here and just say like you, obviously we just alluded to William H. Macy. Um, Steve and I didn't know about William H. Macy's affiliation with Woody Creek. When we we aligned with them, we had no idea. We were preparing for the interview and did some Google searches and we found out, but we were interested in this brand before, which is, it makes it a good story because it's, it's a good add on, but it's william h macy does not make this whiskey and he's purely a very natural organic addition to the company yeah which is which is something that we can say very uh, accurately but you got to interview him it was a big part of our launch it was a big part of this cast um just what was that like it was it's a it's a hollywood star you don't you typically don't interview hollywood stars um and what was the whole experience like for you what was the interview like how'd you feel it went and uh just you know all that stuff
2: um yeah and and by the way let me just I want, say, I want to say something else oh I'll, you know i'll be honest yes. um I, and before i answer that question i just want to say something else about woody creek and and in particular i mean we were we were drinking this this weeded bourbon before and now i'm, I'm with you guys now I'm, I'm into our cast number one the real talk cast and um I'm so, I mean, I had nothing to do with it coming together. I'm so proud of it. It is so good. And I just like, for me, when I put my name on something, there's, you know, it doesn't guarantee its success, but there is somewhat of an audience of people that, that trust me and they trust that I'm not going to put my name on something that sucks. And I'm not going to tell them to go buy something that sucks. And uh, I'm, I'm so proud of how this turned out. I think it stacks up against anything else in or above its price range Yes. Um, for a hundred bucks a bottle. It's a phenomenal bottle. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I'm really proud of it. Uh, with regards to the Macy interview, it was, uh, I mean, it's obviously cool to talk to him, but, but like, I'll tell you, like I've had big interviews. I've interviewed Jay Leno. I've interviewed John Malkovich. I've interviewed Catherine Heigl. I've, I've interviewed, you know, slash I've interviewed like all, you know, all these big celebrities. And, and typically the interviews aren't that great. Uh, because uh, they've done a million interviews, and because it's kind of hard to find unique angles. Like, if you do find a unique angle, uh, my best moment with Slash was he was he was a little bit late. He was like, "Hang on a second. and he was texting on his phone. He he's texting on a BlackBerry, and <laughs> my my camera guy. Is rolling. I always roll. You never know what's gonna happen. Just always leave the cameras rolling, and so the interview kind of like just we kind of just skidded into the start of the interview. There wasn't like three, two, one. Here we go. It's just kind of started. And he goes, "Okay." He puts his phone in his back pocket. He goes, "Okay, I'm ready. Let's go." And I go, "I didn't think that Slash would use a BlackBerry." And he just bursts out laughing. He's like, "Why wouldn't I use a BlackBerry?" I'm like, "I don't know, man. It just seems a little corporate." And we just start and we just started laughing and. That was the best part of the interview um, because we, we, we like hooked on to something that was different. It wasn't like, who are your musical influences? What's it like getting back together with Axel Rose? How did you ever deal with life on the road? Like all that kind of stuff. Um, so I would rather, I mean, the interview with uh, Macy was great and I'm glad he made himself available. And David Matthews was in on it too. The master distiller at Woody Creek. And it was cool to learn about the, the bourbon. Like I, I would rather... Even if it was off the record, I would rather just, like, get into a bottle of bourbon with Bill Macy and just pick his brain. Um, So I hope that I've, with dignity in class, answered your question. I think the interview was fine. It was high profile for our show obviously um but it's you know with celebrities they're you know they're guarded right and they don't really open up like you know there were things that we didn't talk about you know that i would have liked to with regards to his personal life but we were there to talk about booze and so we did and uh and it was kind of cool i mean it's not lost on me like you know it it catches people's attention, right? I did a, a speaking gig just the other night for the Financial Planners Association of Canada for their, their Christmas, their holiday fundraiser. And I did a big keynote speech and, and I didn't write my intro. So when they introduced me, they said the Real Talk podcast has been a big deal you know you know first overall in canada and downloads at least 25 times in its first year he's interviewed the prime minister he's interviewed mark messier and he just interviewed william h macy and i went there it is so <laughs> it's, it's obviously a bit of a feather in the cap uh, but but uh, sometimes you know i the best interviews oftentimes are with the people nobody knows who the hell these people are and they're yeah. just saying what they think those are the best interviews.
0: Well, if you ever if you ever want to do an interview where we just sit back and drink a ball of bourbon, Jess, boy, you got your guys right here. Oh, yeah. Well, I think that's
2: yeah. not that what we're doing right now.
1: Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Honestly, you say you'd like to sit in a room with, with William H. Macy. Obviously, sitting in a room with William H. Macy and downing a, a bottle of rye or whatever he likes kind of thing would be cool, but David Matthews actually strikes me as a super interesting person, and I, yeah. I would like to sit in the distillery – Oh, and yeah. just drink a bottle of bourbon and follow him around for a day. Why well, I we just go to Colorado and do exactly that. And we've, yeah, unfortunately, tra- like me and Travis's trips to visit all our clients is, is going to cost a small fortune and, <laughs> and probably half a year time. So we're, I think we're just kind of laying the groundworks with our wives right now so we can make that happen eventually, but yeah. it will happen. It will happen.
0: Uh, Jess, I was going to ask you a little bit about, um, something else, but we, maybe we'll get to, uh, the pulling the bung round, which is the highlight of all of our interviews. Uh, <laughs> but as just before we, before we go to pulling the bung, I had to say just how you picked your beer and you wanted something that was approachable and, but, but not too approachable, a little bit different. As I'm sipping on this bourbon, I'm, I'm just, I'm realizing like this is a bourbon that any bourbon drinker could drink. But there's that character that makes it just that little bit different. And I think that's kind of, that almost has to be, I think that moving forward, that's the real talk, whiskey and and beer releases. It's like, it's approachable, but there's something about it that makes it different and fun. Separates it. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It's, I mean, it's kind of like the show, you know, in a way that, um, and I won't try too hard to turn this into some sort of a metaphor, but. Um, I always want there to be a little bit of something that, that kinda gives you a bit of pause yeah. and makes you go, huh. Mm-hmm. Right? And so I'm like I've I've heard people you know, one of one of Edmonton's city councilors, Aaron Paquette, got his hands on a bottle and, and he reached out to me the other day and let, he said, "Gosh, he like he mixed it into an old fashioned and he was like it was unbelievable." And I wrote it back privately. I said, "I'll take your word for it because I've just been drinking it neat the whole time." But you know, I'm I'm happy to hear that people are finding different ways to enjoy it and and I and that's the thing. Like I always want, um, you know, I mean, I don't take these collaborations lightly. I don't take it lightly when I put my name on something. You guys know that having dealt with our team behind the scenes and and I'm and I'm really happy to to, to release this. And, and I hope that people enjoy it. The only thing that sucks a little bit, which is also what makes it super cool is the fact that it's such a limited release, uh, 210 bottles. <laughs> and I'm trying to buy about half of them. So, uh, <laughs> you know, so we'll make sure that, but, but, you know, I mean, that's great. And, and, and we'll do cast number two sometime as well and, and do something a little bit different.
4: I love it. All right. Let's get into pulling the bung round. So this is a lightning round. So you don't have time to think about the answers. You just got to answer as fast as you can.
3: I want to ask you a bunch
2: of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Are you threatening me, dick? That's not a threat. That's a fact. I'll fucking kill you. What do you want to know? What? Say what again. Say what again. I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Say what one more goddamn time. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth.
4: Got it? Yep. Ready? Yep. Desert Island, you get one beer and one whiskey.
2: Uh, well, I'm obviously going to take the Real Talk cast number one. And uh, no, you know what I'm going to take? I'm going to take the Balvenie uh, Caribbean cask. I absolutely love it. And one beer, I would take, um, I'm going to say I would take Sea Change Prairie Ferry.
4: All right. Favorite oiler not named Gretzky, Messier, McDavid, or um, uh Cassian. We are coming over to your house to hang out. In your garage bar, you're making us cocktails. What are you making?
2: Well, I guess I'm not going to make you assholes gin sodas with all your judgment. Uh, nope. No. So, I'd uh, yeah, I'd, I'd probably... Uh, uh, Rusty Nail. All
4: right. Oh, I might stay for a second. <laughs> uh, favorite movie? Braveheart. Nice. Favorite interview you've ever done? Kevin Nealon. Least favorite interview you've ever done? This one. <laughs> someone, someone you have not interviewed but would like to. Elon Musk. Favorite Oilers game segment. T-shirt toss by a mile. Cats or dogs. Dogs by a mile. Ultimate backcountry hiking trip.
2: Oh. Uh, uh, <sighs> um, I mean, if you want to get your ass kicked, the Moose River route uh that circumvents mount robson um but most spectacular hike in canada is the west coast trail right on yeah
1: absolutely
0: All right. i was telling i was telling the guys about your 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 annual hiking trip and and you guys you 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 fish with you know, into the backwater and you, 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 you basically eat whatever you catch. And I was saying, this, this is a pretty, it's a pretty cool That's thing. I make yeah. of it every time I see. If really you
2: want cool. if you want to see some of the most unbelievable rainbows, uh, rainbow trout you've ever seen in your life, uh, check out Marvel Lake on my Instagram. Uh, it's, it's like one of the most special places on planet earth.
1: I remember seeing that trip on, on like the socials or whatever, you're posting a little, some pictures and stuff in the, in yeah. the past. And yeah, it looks incredible.
2: It's uh that's it's, it's right off. Uh, so you, 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 can, if you like, you can, you can hike in, um to uh to the Assiniboine Lodge, Mount Assiniboine um or if, if you're like <laughs> if you're like us my pack was a hundred and two pounds when we went in oh my because God. <laughs> because I was carrying 36 beers and and we choppered in and then uh so you chopper in and then we fished uh in uh, Lake Magog and a couple of the other lakes uh you know right at the foot essentially of Mount Assiniboine which is just absolutely spectacular and then you hike into Marvel Lake and I wouldn't tell anybody about this if it wasn't such a bitch to get into, uh, because most people do not reveal their favorite fishing spots. But if you
3: get into Marville Lake, you deserve to be there. That's awesome. I think we'll record a show from there one day. There you go. We'll all hike in, (laughs) and it'll just be booze in all our
1: packs. (laughs) Booze and audio equipment, yeah. (laughs) And
3: tartar sauce. Yeah. yeah. Sure, yeah. All right. So before we wrap up, again, we want to thank you for coming on. Uh, What's next in terms of the Jesperson line of Real Talk uh, alcohol? Uh, Jespo Gin, Real Talk Tequila, Ryan's Rum, or... What I would highly suggest, Orion's Irish Whiskey. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever had that Orion's Irish Whiskey, that that uh, the cream liqueur they do is absolutely
2: terrible? Have you ever tried that?
3: Yeah, I have. and um, It's like
2: absolutely <laughs> awful. No, really? I,
3: I, I prefer Carolyn's if I'm going with like an Irish uh, cream liqueur. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, like Hanson Distillery in Edmonton, they make some crazy good cream liqueurs. And, I just picked up the gingerbread one today. Oh, it's oh, so yeah. good so
2: yeah we had uh, when we first when we launched our show november 23rd of last year um, uh, uh, ultimately she ran for mayor, uh, Cheryl Watson, uh, her gift to the studio was a bottle of the Hanson coffee cream and it, it, it like lasted like four days. It was yeah. unbelievable. So good. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I don't know. You know what? I, I don't think I've given rum a really fair shake. I have a couple of nice bottles of rum and I'll sip on it, but that's not, I've never been kind of like, it's been always been a little too sweet for me, but I, I, I could stand to explore rum a little bit more. I am a big gin guy. Love gin. Um, and, uh, you know, with regards to what's next, um, I don't know. I'd love to, I'd love to pursue another project with you guys, but I, I think that, uh, I think it's important to let a little time pass as well to create yes. a sense of urgency, right? Build a little buzz around our next collaboration. So,
1: uh, yeah, absolutely. But we, we, I know Travis and I have already met and we have some ideas to run by you. We won't run <laughs> by you quite yet, but, um, the last thing I kind of wanted to get into before we let you go was, the, the, the pawn hockey tournament that you got yeah. coming up. I wanted you to just chat a little bit about that before we let you go. Yeah, yeah, we're uh, two stacks. Two yeah. stacks can be a big part of it, which is Yeah, we're excited
2: what? to have uh two stacks, Dram in a can, uh coming on as one of our sponsors. It's it's the inaugural real talk pond hockey classic and people can check out more by going to ryanjesperson.com just go to the drop down menu for events and you'll see it there um it's actually be the 12th running of this tournament uh but the first time that we've taken the title sponsorship of it so it's presented by molson um, and we've got some great sponsors on board we're gonna raise 50 grand or so we hope more uh for some worthy charities in partnership with the canadian progress club the saint albert chapter uh it's uh you know maximum it's capped at 40 teams. Uh, five skaters per team it's a it's a festival atmosphere we're having it on Hockey Day in Canada so it'll be January 29th um, the bonfires everywhere burgers beer garden and just an absolute blast uh in my mind that is canada that is canadiana my favorite sound is the sound of pond hockey like i just did oh, yeah. you know carving up that pond and the sticks and the crackle of the fire and um it's just going to be a really special day and uh we've still got some uh limited uh, spots for for registration we'd love to have a packed house that day
1: I think uh, we're already registered, right, Travis? So
0: Yeah, we registered today and I think there was twenty one spots left. Okay, good. So Uh, half sold. Yeah, we're partnering with Sherbrooke Liquor on that. We're putting in a team. It's the the Sherbrooke Dramina Cans. This was the The very original. The DX. Or oh, the yeah. D X. Maybe we'll be the yeah. we uh, D X. Uh,
2: we've got everybody names. I mean, the names are hilarious. I heard uh, a buddy of mine. He entered his team yesterday. The Hattrick Trick And and um, and I then, played for the Hat Trick In oh, uh, did you? Okay, in, there you go. Yeah, Alberta and Men's then, League. And <laughs> then our our team will be the uh, every day we're buffaloid. So yeah. we're looking forward <laughs> to that.
1: Yeah,
0: and it has the. Uh, I was messaging with the, one of the organizers today. It's the, I think he thinks the world's only skate up beer gardens. So the beer gardens, you can skate to the beer gardens. I put, my,
2: I put my skates on at eight in the morning and I take them off at six in the evening.
1: So <laughs> sounds like a dream come true. Yeah. It's pretty special, especially with a drum and a can in the hand. Yeah. Like my
2: skating doesn't improve through the day, but my attitude does, you know, it just gets
1: better and better and better. <laughs> Yeah. Any t-shirts you're going to be tossing or yeah,
2: you know, I wouldn't rule anything
1: out. We're going to have some real yeah. talk swag there. So I would imagine a couple of t-shirts will get tossed. Absolutely. No, I, Ryan, I, I like really, really appreciate you coming on with us um, having this chat. I'm, I'm like looking forward to everything that, that we might partner with in the future. And the, the success of this, this real talk cast, the whiskey is incredible um, all the feedback we've been getting has been great from some, from actual whiskey enthusiasts that love it. And then even just your everyday, your, kind of just your regular drinkers are also loving it, which that, that's a good sign of a good whiskey. So, yeah, I don't know. Cheers to you, man, honestly. Hey,
2: well, thanks, boys. And I think you hit the nail on the head there. Like to me, um, whether it's a beer or a whiskey, uh, you know, or even, I mean, we didn't talk much cannabis. I know that's not really this this podcast or what this is all about, you bunch of fucking stoners. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, if, if, people see our brand out there, joy, botanicals, J O I, um, uh, you know, that's the same sort of a thing for us is that, you know, we believe that we're growing the best craft cannabis in Canada. And, um, for us, the reviews from, you know, big names in Canada, like Remo, the nutrients, if, if you know, cannabis, you know, like Remo. Of
1: the stoner and, down the street. You know, yeah, and...
2: exactly. All these, all these big reviewers are loving what we're doing with our flagship strain, Cake crasher and everything else but also people are saying like, this is the first time really that I've tried it. It's and, and, and that to me, I'm the same with the whiskey, the same with the Pisco sour. Um, If you can earn the respect of, the OGs and the people that know and also earn the intrigue and the return business, or maybe plant a seed with people that are relatively new with the same product. I think that that's a home run. And so it's been amazing to partner with you guys. I'm super excited to see what you're doing with PWS imports and, and, and obviously with the Canadian launch of Woody Creek and, and I'm honored to be a part of it. And so thanks for the invitation onto Lost in Translation. This has been a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, we might gain like two or three new followers or something like that. So this is exciting for us. Well, don't, <laughs> yeah, well, don't
2: forget, it's key. You got to say things. You got to remind people. Now you need people to like and share and subscribe. For right? sure. You got to remind them all that kind of stuff. That was the
1: last thing I was going to ask you. Can you make sure that you send an email to all of your family so that they download it too? That's, <laughs> yeah, That's what we rely on here at Lost in Translation. <laughs> yeah, I get it.
2: Oh, I get it. So you're just using me. Okay. Yeah. Now that we're clear. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's word of mouth. And you have a very we have very loud mouths so it's it's gonna work for all of us it's great yeah (laughs) well thanks Uh, fellas
0: yeah thanks a lot jespo and uh we're yeah we're just excited for all of it and uh for the record i did have a joy botanicals question but i wanted you you to get home to your family and we had to pull the bung so i i i canceled (laughs) it but i did know i did have it on there so i apologize well wadi what was the question? it was you have now done a real talk whiskey <laughs> but you are also involved with another venture called joy botanicals can you please tell us a bit about that oh, oh what a what, a great, great question, what, what real, a great question
1: professional interviewer right real,
0: real talk
4: yeah. Yeah. well yeah.
1: watch you, out don or you, our, uh, phil donahue travis watts coming at you yeah as we say you you
2: roll it you spark it you toke it and you order a pizza
0: yeah <laughs> and cut. Right and scene
1: <laughs> Cheers <laughs> cheers everyone
0: Cheers that was boys an Awesome jazz folks <laughs>